Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission and are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word and that through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. I want to say thank you to all of you who've made your way out today. Amen. It's good to see so many smiling, and I'll say it again, healthy faces. Amen. Amen. It's good good to see you. I will take the opportunity before we read our scripture to welcome our online guests. We are certainly glad that you're able to join us. We would prefer that you were here. I'm, I'm afraid through the camera, there's no way you can feel what we're feeling right here. So if you'll follow along with me, let's read this very familiar portion of Scripture, Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear no evil because he's with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Certainly or surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I, tell your neighbor, I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How many of you got a forever feeling this morning? I, I want to be in the house of the Lord, not just today or next Sunday, but I want to be in the house of the Lord forever. One more time, would you lift a hand? Father, I pray over the remainder of this service. God, I know what you've spoken into my spirit. I pray you would give me the ability to minister to this congregation. God, let their hearts, let all of our hearts and minds be receptive to the word. I bind every spirit of distraction. I release the power and the anointing of the Word of God upon the hearts of people. Somebody agree with me and say, in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you. Give your neighbor a high five and you can be seated. Many of us are familiar with this great passage of Scripture. It is likely, if not the most famous, one of the most famous chapters in the Bible. As Christian believers, we connect with the statements that are made in this psalm. It's, it's in our time of trouble. It's in our time of humanity, of loss, that we, together as the people of God, have found hope in these tremendous words of comfort. Now David, the great psalmist, was without doubt a gifted writer and communicator. But even for a man like David, this testimony that we find in the 23rd Psalm is profound. Many theologians believe that even David, the great psalmist, the man who had a heart after God, is not, comp is not capable of giving God any higher compliment than he offers in this psalm. David delivers a majestic testimony of God. He's expressing the highest praise that he can offer 
And as these words, these great words resonate through our minds this afternoon, I want to focus for a moment, just a moment on this final point here in verse 5. For I believe it was with gratitude, all of the gratitude that David could muster, possibly as he is trying to even comprehend the immeasurable gifts of grace and mercy, David cries out, my cup runneth over. My cup runneth over. This culmination, this ending section of this great psalm can be found in that simple expression. Four words, one short but tremendously expressive sentence where David says, not only do I have enough, but I've got more than enough. How many of you can say that this morning? David is communicating to people that he possesses not only everything that a normal person would have, but that he is possessing all that perhaps he is capable of containing. But for the all intents and purposes, David is wanting us to know as readers that he has a surplus. In the layman terms, David is saying to us, all of these thousands of years later, we would put it like this, my blessings have got blessings. We might go so far as to say, my extravagance has found favor. And in my benefit, there is an overabundance. Now, some of you are already looking at me at that little cross-eyed look. You're like, what are you talking about, preacher? But I want you to understand that no matter where you come from or what you've been through, there's a place in the kingdom of God where you can stand with David and cry the words, my cup runneth over. I believe that every child of God should want to live in this place where the cup is not just full, but the cup is running over. I believe that every child of God should come to this ultimate place to desire the abundance and the blessing of God. Now, before I dig a little bit deeper in this, I want you to understand that the blessing of this world and the blessing of the Lord are not always the same thing. I don't want you to misunderstand what I'm going to preach this morning. I'm going to talk about a cup that's running over, but I need you to really understand that you, if you don't want your cup to run over, it's not likely that it's going to happen. But the truth is that there are times in every life when this overabundance, where this overflow is coming from a source that we're not really glad that it's coming from. I'm talking about the time when the pipe breaks. Oh, Lord. I'm talking about that stopped-up sink running over into the bathroom floor, or even worse yet, when that other piece of furniture in the bathroom, and I'm not talking about the tub, begins to run over. There's some good people here, and you feel like maybe you're in the bathroom this morning, and those realities of life are bringing new meaning to the term about something running over. 
But more often than not, it's not really just the toilet or the tub or the sink that's running over in the life. But I think it's some of these other things. It's the business. It's the job. It's the emergency. It's those little things that I failed to plan for. I've been in this place where David is. I've been in that place where I was, I could say honestly, I wish my blessings had blessings. But the real reality is my problems seem to be giving birth to problems and my blessings seem to be hidden from me. This is where the psalmist David was. He said, I want you to understand that I am blessed beyond compare. And so I began to ask myself, what was it? In David's life? What was it in this great man of God, this psalmist who had a heart after God, this, this man? What, what was it that he had that I maybe have not yet achieved? What was it that made David's life so spectacular? I mean, this psalm is some pretty powerful writing. A person could conclude from simply reading those six simple verses that David had a perfect life. The commentators tell us that they just don't know. Now, friends, that doesn't happen much because even when commentators don't know, they seldom tell you so. But they were struggle with this question to figure out what period of time or what part of life where David would write this great psalm. They could go back and say Psalm 119 was written when he was a shepherd or, or when he was the king or whatever, and they could tell you all of these great things about the psalmist, but they cannot tell us when he wrote the 23rd Psalm. They do agree, however, that there seems to be no specific period of time in life in which we can connect these powerful words to an era or a point in David's life. And so in my curious mind, I began to look. said, maybe it was when David was a young man. Maybe it was when David was a simple shepherd boy. Maybe it was when David was a keeping those daddy's sheep out on, out on the pasture. But I found out that David was the youngest of eight brothers. Now, while I don't have eight brothers, I can't imagine that being the youngest of eight brothers would ever lead to an overflowing experience at home. Maybe it's just me. And while being a shepherd boy sounds awful exciting, I know for sure it was not an easy life. It was a life that would be filled with hardship and struggle and danger, not to mention those really upset older brothers. So I said to myself, Seth, maybe it was after that great victory when David killed that big old mean giant Goliath. I said, maybe that was the time when David began to talk about his cup running over because surely that had to be a great time because I know from the Bible they were singing praise about David. They were talking about the good things in David's life. And certainly when David came from the field as a shepherd and become the, the killer of giants, there would be something that would change in the life of David. David's life now comes into public view and as such, I'm sure it wasn't much different than it was, than it is today. That public life comes with its share of scrutiny. But I believe the change from living with a bunch of dumb old sheep to living in the courts of the King Saul would indeed have its benefits. But as we know from Scripture, 
even being the king's son-in-law, had its issues. The Bible tells us that the palace was a hazardous place for David. I read about the jealousy and even the attempted murder by the king on his son-in-law's life. Now, I know it's 2020, and we're not nearly as scared of father-in-laws than we are mother-in-laws. But this certainly doesn't feel to me like a, a cup running over experience. David would eventually run and run, get out of that dangerous palace. And according to the word of God, he runs to safety in a mountain full of caves. Again, that doesn't seem to meet the notion of green pastures and still waters. I'm not feeling all of the restoration and all of the blessing and I'm seeing problems that are giving birth to problems but I'm not noticing blessing that's got blessing attached to it. I'm reading about David running for his life and being hunted continually and had no place to, to call home and we know according to the Bible that David would spend years living like a criminal and a vagabond but his story does not end there. Maybe it was after the death of King Saul and David becomes king over Israel. Now surely, goodness and mercy are following the king. That's got to be it. It's just, that has to be it. But if you go on and begin to read the story of David, the circumstances of that man as king, while they were very much improved, they were still full of trouble. Those descendants of Saul are continually fighting against David and his kingdom, and then there are the Philistines. The, emes, the nemesis of Israel. So while this great change is happening, while growth is taking place, David has become from a shepherd boy to a giant killer to now a king, and all of these great things are happening. But David's life as a king was full of conflict and war. I'm trying to paint a picture for someone here today. His rule as the king of Israel was marked even by his own sin with Bathsheba, in the murder of her husband. For David, there seems to be no end to this trouble. It seems to be his constant life companion. And yet the Bible paints the picture of David's life as being one filled with nonstop conflict and turmoil. Well, maybe, 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 just maybe, this overwhelming, overflowing place of blessing occurred in his old age. Gotta be it. Didn't happen when he was a young man didn't happen in the palace, didn't happen when he was a king, it didn't happen in the cave. Maybe it happened when he was an old man. But as I began to dig just a little bit deeper in scripture, I'm reminded of the story of David's own son, Absalom. David would face a prolonged rebellion and literally an overthrow of his kingdom as he was moved away from his throne. What a tremendous trial that I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this morning. But that seemed like in David's life that every trial was superseded by a greater trial and had been preceded by a trial and more trials upon trials. And it just doesn't sound like a place where my blessing is getting blessing, but it feels like a place where my problems are giving birth to problems. And, and at some point, through all of this strife and all of this turmoil, David sits down and writes a few words, six verses, and he comes to the culmination, to the point of this where he cries out, my cup runneth over. 
I don't know, David, if you hadn't said all of those beautiful things ahead of them, I would have agreed that my, my tub is flowing over or my sink is flowing over or maybe even the toilet is flowing over. I, I would have been okay with that. But I want someone to understand that, that David is not making a proclamation of a saint of God who's living on easy street. His life was no picnic. He's faced with troubling circumstance after troubling circumstance. He's lived through the fire. He's, he's gone through that flood. He's a man of trouble. He's had tough times. He's had bad times. He understands what you understand about life, and yet he was still a man of God. Definitely a man who's been through it. He's walked through the dangers of life. He, he, he knew what it meant to be up and he knew what it was to be down. He knew the good and he understood the bad. And I feel like there's some people here today that can relate with David's trouble. But in spite of all of his trouble, in spite of his own failure, in spite of the issues of life, David still confessed, my cup runneth over. This great confession that so many of us have found our own comfort in. The question this morning that I want to spend the next few moments on is how do I get to the place where David was? How do I get to a place where I can say my blessings have got blessings? How can I get to a place where I can say I've got so much abundance that I can't contain it? How does that happen for me? How do I, as a man of God, how do you, as a child of God, get to that place? I want to start this morning maybe with a, a simpler point. The reality is, the truth is, that at least in the spiritual sense, some people's cups never run over. Now, if you haven't figured it out by now, the cup I'm preaching about is a metaphor that represents your life. And every cup or every life is a little bit different, but we've all got one just the same. But this morning as we kind of dig a little bit deeper into the overflowing cup or that place where my cup's running over, the reason that I would tell you that a lot of cups fail to be filled to the place where they're overflowing is they're being filled from the wrong source. Jeremiah wrote it this way in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 13. He says, my people, they've committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water and they've dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns or wells that can't hold water. I want someone to understand that it is entirely possible for you to get to a place where your blessing is birthing blessing and your problems are not, no longer of concern to you, but it's not going to happen while you've got a broken cup. We cannot keep filling our cups with the rotten, sin-filled reservoirs of this world and expect to ever truly be blessed of God. No, 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 no. Broken cups will not hold water. If the water gets poured in, it's not going to stay very long. And the truth is a lot of people have tried to fill their cups a lot of different ways. Can I tell somebody that the world believes uh, that you can fill your cup and be satisfied with wealth? But we know the truth. No matter how much you pour in, it just never seems to get full. Pour, 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 and pour some more. Work your fingers to the bone, but it's just never enough. Money wasn't the answer for David, and it's not the answer for us. 
Well, preacher, if money's not the answer, then what is? Can I tell somebody I've already told you? You've already stood up and read it today. The principle that he gave us is the principle that Jesus gave in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, when he said, give and it shall be given unto you. That good measure that's pressed down and shaken together and running over shall men give into your bosom for with the same measure that you pour out, that you meet, it's going to be poured back. And some of you are going, yeah, that's right. And some of you are going, that don't make no sense at all. How can my cup, how can my cup run over when all you're asking me to do is continually pour it out? I, I don't know. I, I really don't know, but I, I'm going to tell you what the scripture says. Acts chapter 20, verse 35, Luke reminding the book of Acts church, he said, remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. He didn't say it'll make you feel better. He didn't say it's more popular. Oh my God, I wish my voice would hold up. He didn't say it'll make you dance and be happy to give. He said there's more blessing in giving than there is in receiving. You can sit on me if you want to, but I'm going to prove it to you in the Word. I don't know how it works, but I know it works. Somebody needs to go back to 2 Kings chapter 4 and ask a poor widow woman when Elijah the prophet I'm sorry, not the widow woman. We'll get to her in a moment. Ask the mother who lost her husband. She's presented with an impossible situation. And Elijah said, hey, lady, go out and find all your neighbors and borrow a lot of containers. Get as many cups as you can get because God is going to do a miracle. And he, uh, you know what happened. She had that little pot of oil, and that's all she had. And the bill collectors was coming. But every time she poured out of that cup, it I can't tell you how it happened, but I can tell you that it happened. I can't tell you it's going to make you feel better, but I can tell you there's more blessing when you pour something out. Oh, come on, David. How can you write those words? I don't know when he wrote them, but he said, my cup runs over because David understood it's more blessed when I pour it out than when I let it come in. The only thing that stopped the miracle in that woman's life was when she ran out of places to pour the oil. And some good folk have come to church and you feel like the toilet is overflowing in your life. And there's some bad things on the floor. There's some negative stuff going on and you come and you got a pity party and you're saying, oh me and oh my and what am I going to do? It's a catastrophe. Somebody ought to stand up and say, my cup runneth over. I have not run out of places to pour. I've not run out of places to give. I've not... Oh, come on, somebody. Your troubles are giving trouble. They're giving birth to more troubles. But if you want your blessings to start multiplying, you've got to start pouring out. You... Some of y'all like, I don't think he knows what he's talking about. You see, an overflowing life is not, is not the result of getting. 
The world tells us if I can get more, I'll have more. That's not the truth. If you get more, you're going to have to do more. Do I have a homeowner in the place? If you get more, you got to do more. You don't own it as much as it owns you. But you know the best thing about blessing is when the blessing is poured in, uh, I can let it roll out and roll out and roll out and roll out and roll out. That's how my blessing's going to come. That's how I'm going to live in an overrunning life. In an... Uh, well, preacher, I got bills to pay and mouths to feed. I want somebody to turn, look at a neighbor and say, come on, Debbie Doubter. He's going to prove it to you. Elijah was having himself a pity party. Coming off the greatest victory in his life and runs out there in the wilderness. God, please kill me. Look, that's not a popular prayer, not one I encourage you to pray. But God said, Elijah, I want you to go down to this poor widow in Zarephath. She's going to sustain you. Now, I don't read anywhere where the widow was told the prophet's coming. He shows up and says, what's going on, lady? And she said, we got enough meal for one little cake. And I'm going to bake it, and me and my baby's going to eat it, and then we're going to die. Man, them troubles are giving birth to troubles. That's a bad situation. And that bony-fingered preacher pointed his finger at her and said, Lady, before you do that, I want you to go in that house, and I want you to bake me a cake. I think she was too tired to get mad. I know some of you ladies, and God helped that bony-fingered preacher if he said something like that to you. But that's what he tells her to do. But you know the story. Every time she dug in that, in that meal bucket and began to make a cake for that prophet, that thing was full again the next day to the same level. And some of you are so tired of giving and so tired of pouring out and you're waiting on a blessing, but you got to take that little bit that you got and begin to make a cake and begin to pour it out. It's a principle from the Word of God. That widow woman didn't know the situation the prophet was going through, but God said, I prepared her. I'm talking about having a cup that runs over. It's not about getting. It's about giving. Come on, I wish somebody would stand to their feet in this sanctuary and lift their hands and begin to pour out to God. Hallelujah. That's all you people do is worship. That's all you people do is, play, is pray. That's all you people do is clap. Yeah. my cup is running over. I, I don't know how to do it. I got problems. Uh, I got issues. Uh, I'm not believing that lie of the devil. If I had an impossible situation, there's no way I'd sit in my seat. I'd get up and begin to give God the greatest praise I've ever gave him. I'd begin to magnify him as high as I could. I'd begin to...
Come on, somebody. The doctor said you're sick, but it's not time for you to pour in medicine. It's time for you to pour out praise. Come on. The bill collector said the bills do. It's not time for you to pour out money. It's time for you to pour out praise. My cup, my cup. Well, you don't know how bad my week has been. No, I don't. You don't know the trouble, the trouble. Oh, you don't know the trouble. No, no, no. All I know is if you want your cup to overrun, you got to quit looking at the problem in your cup. You just got to begin to pour it out. You just got to. I ain't got much. But what I have, come on, Peter, walking by the gate, beautiful. I ain't got no silver. I ain't got no gold. But what I got, I got a power of prayer. And I'm going to, come on, somebody, are you apostolic? Are you going to be Baptist this morning? I'm going to pour it out. I'm going to pour it out. I'm going to pour it out. Oh, come on, somebody. Hear what I'm saying. It was Jesus that took five little loaves of bread and two tiny fish. Where's Brother Lahaska? We wouldn't even have kept them fish. They were so small. We'd have thrown them back. We'd have been ashamed to put them in the boat for more than five seconds. But Jesus took them little fish and he began to bless it and began to break it and began to pour it out and spread it out. And he put it down to his disciples and said, begin to serve them and serve them and serve them and serve them. And they fed 20,000 people. And when they got done, they took that little sack lunch of a couple of loaves of bread and a couple of itty bitty old guppy fish. And they went back with baskets and began to fill up the overflow. Somebody wants some running over in their life. You've got to learn how to break it and bless it and pour it out and give it to somebody else. <laughs> Woo! I don't know. I don't know when he wrote it, but I'm glad he wrote it. I don't know what circumstance in his life caused him to write it, but I needed to hear it because when my, when my heart is overwhelmed, I heard him write this somewhere. I need to run home and hide under the covers and stop going, oh, no, no. When my heart is overwhelmed, he said, I cry. Come on, somebody. You can't cry and keep it in. You're going to pour it out. Somebody ought to cry and say, when my heart is overwhelmed, I go to the rock and I cry. He's going to hear my cry. I know he's going to attend unto my prayer. Come on, my blessings have got blessings. My problems can do what my problems are going to do, but my blessings are giving birth to blessings because I'm learning how. Oh, now I won't mess with some of y'all. I'm telling you, I'm gonna mess with some of y'all. Oh, Jesus! Show me your pinky. Come on, show me your pinky. Some of y'all hold a little itty bitty teacups. Now, Brother Roberts ain't no teetotaling, <laughs> cup using. I, I, come on, hold that pinky up there. Show somebody. 
you so dainty. I'm t- it's pathetic. My little fat, stubby fingers won't fit in most of them cups. You don't understand. We want our cup filled to the right place. And I'm telling you, for all you foo-foo coffee drinkers that got to put something in because you don't really like the taste of coffee, I told you I was going to meddle, Brother Bo. For all you sugar-loving, sweetness-drinking children of God, if somebody fills your cup up too high and you can't get the sweet in with the bitter, you get upset. And Lord Jesus, even though you got a saucer underneath, if somebody were to pour it out and it splash over in the sauce, some of you OCD folk would lose your ever-living mind. But my God is telling me through the word of God that he ain't going to fill it up half full or mostly full or leave room for your sugar in your tank, honey. He's going to pour it and pour it and pour it and pour it until it's overrunning and it's going to get on the table and the tablecloth and the carpet and the floor. I'm talking about blessing. I'm talking about giving birth to some blessing. You better quit getting upset because God is asking you to pour something out for blessing. Bunch of crackpot teetotaling. I love y'all. If you don't like coffee, drink tea. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to give you a principle. Blessing is messy. What happened to our humanity? We understand that problems come with a lot of mess. But David is saying, my blessing has gotten messy because he didn't just fill my cup, Lord. He began to let it overflow. He said, it's not just spilled a little bit, but it's running over and over and over and over. Oh, come on, somebody. You better. You, it's okay if a problem makes a mess. But when was the last time your blessing made a mess in your life? When was the last time you didn't get upset? Brother Silvada, I got so much money, I can't spend it. It it ain't the truth. I'm talking to Holy Ghost-filled apostolic people. Hear what I'm saying. I'm talking to the people of God. And you get upset, God begins to pour into your life. The preacher begins to pour the word in your life. And you're looking at your watch, worried about Golden Corral. They ain't changed that menu in 20 years. They ain't about to. Don't you worry about it. Let the preacher pour. Let the word of God pour. Let the mercy of God pour. Let the power of God pour. Let the blessing of God pour. Let it make a mess in my life. Let it bless me till I overflow. Come on, get rid of that stinking spirit. You're okay with your problem making a mess, but when was the last time your blessing cut loose in your life and made a mess? Oh, I wish somebody would pour. I wish somebody would clap their hands and lift their voice and pour. My God is able. Yeah, I got problems. Yeah, I got issues, but my blessings are giving birth to blessings. 
I'm talking about being blessed of God. And somehow the, the world and that old devil has told us that blessing has to be neat. And blessing has to be pretty. No, 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 no. I got some old timers in here. You remember what it used to look like? It didn't sound as nice as it sounds now. It wasn't near as pretty as it is now. We was on the other side of them tracks, and everybody looked at you. You're one of them people. You talk in tongues. You do what? You why you What are you doing? Y'all are just too loud. Y'all are just too obnoxious. And some of you dignified folk have got your little pinky out, and you're sipping on blessing. But I'm tired of sipping on blessing. I want my blessing to run over. I want my cup to run over. I know there's issues. I know there's problems. But I tell somebody, you ought to get off your seat and get loose in the Holy Ghost and begin to pour. I'm blessed. I watched. I snuck a pink, Brother Savati. I ain't smart enough to read it and look, but I was sneaking a peek. And some of y'all was like, I'm blessed to be a blessing. You ain't believe a word of that. You just read it because it's on the screen. Some of y'all were like, I see my family blessed in the Holy Ghost. You can believe a word of that. You ain't bought into that. You just think pastor's got some nice little ditty we got. No, no, no. You ought to be reading it by faith. You ought to be pouring out. You ought to be exercising your faith. I'm blessed to be a blessing. I got something going on in my life. My family is walking in salvation. My children are saved. There's Holy Ghost in my house. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm talking to some of you folks uh, and nothing would please you. I know, I know. I know I'm meddling, but I'm an assistant pastor. I'm gonna do it once in a while. Some of you good folk, if you were living in the Garden of Gethsemane, you could find fault. The water here just don't taste right to me. The trees here aren't the right color. Some of you would get mad because the devil was told to stay out. And some of you are so, so delicate, you would be upset because somebody didn't give him permission to come back in. And some of you good folk that love God would be upset and criticize the music in heaven. The angels singing. Perfect harmony, you go. I like it better when James Wilson does it. He ain't there yet, but he's going. Some of you would get tired of wearing white robes and playing golden harps. I'm telling you the dissatisfaction will cause you to focus upon what's in your cup. Hear what I'm telling you. You got to learn how to be content with God, 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 what God has put in your life. I'm talking to good people. You ought to make a resolve before you leave here today. I refuse to be a victim of dissatisfaction. I'm telling you, dissatisfied folk, their cup never runs over. 
Let me prove it to you. David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. This is a statement. It's not a statement about the smallness of our need. It's a statement about the greatness of the good shepherd. David grew up in a culture where the concept of shepherding meant provision and direction and protection. I'm talking to good people that you're getting good, godly direction. And you're like, it's a little too messy for me. Come early and pray. I don't need that. Fast, that is a four-letter word. You, you need to know. You need to understand that there's more being implied here than being expressed. Not only shall I not want, but what David is saying is that what I shall be supplied with is whatever I need. Now, here's the hard part. Some of you better turn your hearing aids off because you don't want to hear this. If I don't have everything I want, I'm mature enough to understand that it's either not fit for me or not good for me or I may, God forbid, have to wait until it's the right time. Some of y'all need to practice what Brother Roberts does and my wife must think I'm crazy. I get in that mirror sometimes and talk to myself. I'll invite the dog in so she ain't suspicious sometimes. But you need to have a conversation with yourself and remind yourself of this great truth. David's life was not perfect. Your life is not going to be perfect. I promise you, it's not all green pastures. It's not all still waters. There's going to be valleys. There's going to be shadows. There's going to be death. There's going to be loss. There's going to be sacrifice. But that does not mean that you can't confess. Like David, no matter what you're going through, my cup is running over. No, no, I'm talking to good people that you're focused on problems. You need to get your focus off the problem and begin to pour out until God begins to multiply your blessing. It's a principle from God's word. God will meet every need. David's not saying I didn't have no fear. David's not saying I didn't have no apprehension. David didn't even say, I don't have any doubt. But what he made a confession of, no matter the overwhelming anxiety in his soul, he makes this confession in complete contentment despite his circumstance. My cup runneth over. I'm telling somebody, you walked into this place with an impossible situation and you're still sour in your spirit because something happened in your life. I'm not trying to be mean, but it's just called life. It's just called circumstance. It happens to everybody. Rain is going to fall on the just and the unjust. But here is what you can do. Regardless of whether or not you got water on the floor and something negative is going on, you can still stand up and confess. My cup, my cup is running over. 
My cup is running over. My problems might be multiplying, but my blessings are about to give birth. My blessings are about to go to a new place. It ain't ever going to happen if we keep confessing the problem. Cry my cup full of tears. That's not what's supposed to go. My cup is filled with blessing. Is there problems in there? Yeah, it's a big cup. Is there issues in there? Yeah, it's a big cup. And it's deeper than what I thought. But I got to learn. When I pour those things out to the Lord and I begin to pour out the good things and the mercy and the, come on, he said it's a certainty, it's a surety. Goodness and mercy are going to follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because my cup is running over. I didn't say my cup was turned over. I said my cup is running over. I didn't say my cup was broken. My cup is running over. I'm blessed to be a blessing. But somebody's got to start confessing. All right, I'm almost done. Come on, Brother Andre, give him some hope. David's cup didn't run over because he was the king. Some of y'all need to hear what I'm saying. He didn't cut, his cup didn't run over because he was a giant killer. It didn't even run over because he was a shepherd boy. David's cup ran over because he understood who his shepherd was. I ain't got the time. But if he's your shepherd, then he's the one who's responsible to leading me by or near those still waters. No, no, somebody hear what I'm saying. Some well-meaning folk never get to a place where the cup is rolled over because the problem is the shepherd is not your shepherd. I'm talking to some people. When he's my shepherd, then he's the one that's leading me. I can't go there, Pastor. I can't go there, preacher. I can't go there, God. I can't go there because I got this problem. I can't. I just don't feel like I can worship God with this sin in my life. The truth is, the good shepherd didn't lead you to that place. And he sure didn't make you lie down there. That's the truth. You can blame it on somebody else, but if you ended up there, it's probably your own fault. And that problem, it's just the way things are. It's going to give birth to more problems and more problems and more problems. But I am not going to be a a victim of discontent. I'm not going to focus. I'm not going to spend my time talking about the problem. I'm going to do what I need to do. I'm going to start pouring out. 
Well, that still don't make no sense to me. I know that widow woman, and I know that mom, and I know Jesus, and I got all that stuff you said, preacher, but, but my problem is real. I've got a real issue in my life. Here's what the Word of God said. If we confess, if we pour out our sin, that's all a confession is. That's all David did. David began to confess. My cup's running over. And if I confess my sin, he is faithful and he's justified to cleanse me oh Lord oh Lord my cup is dirty he's going to cleanse me I feel the Holy Ghost in this place of all that unrighteousness (laughs) come on that same psalmist knew what it was to have a dirty cup you said it this morning he cried out create in me clean heart Oh God, and renew within me a right spirit. But none of that happened until he poured that stuff out of his cup. I just don't think I can worship God. Then why don't you pour out the negativity to him right now? Come on, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm pouring out to you right now through prayer. And I ask you to forgive me of every wrong thing I've ever done. Come on, it's just that simple. It's like turning a cup over and letting it go out. But I promise you, if you'll cleanse, let him let him cleanse that cup, he'll begin to fill you with power and authority and anointing like you can't even imagine. Come on. He didn't lead you there, but he won't leave you there either. That's He's a good shepherd. I know the problems are giving birth to problems, but blessing is fixing to give birth to blessing. I'm telling somebody, it's just that simple. I'm reminded of the day of Pentecost when those 120 people gathered in that upper room and they began to pour out and they began to cry until that blessing began to get multiplied and the Holy Ghost and the fire fell in that room come on somebody why don't you stand with me this morning life's not perfect negativity's going to happen sin is a part of life things are going to overflow but I wonder if there's a child of God in this place who would raise a hand and begin to confess everything's not perfect in my life but my cup is running over Everything's not just right in my life, but my cup, my cup is running over. I wonder if somebody would make a move. I I can't pour it out where I'm at, but I want to come down to that front preacher and I want to lift my hands one more time and begin to pour out to God right now. My cup, my cup, come on somebody. Make your way down to this front today. Make a declaration for God. I'm not going to be satisfied with discontent. I'm not going to criticize and moan and groan about all my problems. I'm going to pour out my blessing unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without knowing the exact path that it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. Be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Also, visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. So I'm going to wait on you, Jesus. I'm going to wait on you, Jesus.